whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Ageless. So I am sure you guys have been on a celebrity's Instagram or seen red carpet looks and curated your own versions of them. It's such an inspiration to me. And today we have the premier celebrity stylist, Carla Welch, on the podcast, Carla is a Los Angeles-based stylist and has been declared as one of the most powerful stylists by both The Hollywood Reporter and The New York Times. Her list of celebrity clients, guys, insane, and includes Justin Bieber, Carly Kloss, Olivia Wilde, Sarah Paulson, Tracy Ellis Ross, Amber Heard, and Elizabeth Moss. Carla has also designed over 60 custom pieces for Justin Bieber's Purpose Tour, a collection for genetic denim visionaries, a jewelry collection with Jacob & Co., as well as collaborated with design houses like Alexander McQueen on gowns for the Academy Awards and the Met Gala. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation and let's just jump right in. Just to start off, we know you started in the food and beverage world, and I'm just wondering how you made the switch to styling. I actually grew up in the clothing business. My father had a menswear store in the really small town I grew up in. It was kind of like the go-to, and I worked at my dad's store. I mean, I would go there after school and kindergarten, and I remember him, like, I grew up, like, dusting the shelves and then folding the sweaters and then doing the window displays, and I always kind of, I just loved it. I loved, I loved working in his store, and I ended up working in his store for almost 20 years, like, in summer and Christmas, and then he retired after having his store for 47 years. Wait, and where in Powell River, British Columbia. So it's a really small town north of Vancouver. It's called Ken's Clothes Closet. And I was just like my dad's right hand, right hand gal. And I really, that's kind of where my love of clothes probably came from. So I was actually in, I guess, in fashion. And then I moved over to the restaurant business, which I loved. I loved. And then at the same time, I kind of like really always had my eye on fashion and wondered where what space was right for me and I think at that time this is you know almost 30 years ago which seems really crazy really nuts to say out loud that's when you really kind of started seeing like what the editors were doing what was the editor you saw your Vogue editors you were like 25 years ago stocking up on the face and ID and all these magazines and seeing what stylists were and so in my mind I kind of had like a secret wish to be a stylist and then you know, my husband rolled into my restaurant one day and that's what happened. And he was, he's a photographer in LA and it was just pure kind of fate that I met him. And then I came down to the United States, came to Los Angeles and was a little lost at the beginning. Cause I'd come from a really defining career of service and being a sommelier and 
running a restaurant and, but I knew in my heart, I wanted to be a stylist. I just didn't say it out loud. And then I had an opportunity to style a shoot for him by just really being ballsy and saying, Hey, I want to style that shoot for you. And he was like, I can't give you that job. So I called the record label and got the job myself. And then that's where it started. And it just kind of snowballed from there. It's kind of funny because the only real job I've ever had is a bartender in a restaurant. Otherwise, strictly fashion. The only other thing I've done. So yeah. maybe maybe fashion and food do go together. Definitely for me. I feel like I have the opposite to your guys' trajectory, I guess, because I grew up in fashion and now I'm like, oh, I, re- I really want to be in the food and beverage world. <laughs> but yeah, it's it kind of just like, it goes to show how things just fall into place almost I, a little bit. Well, and I like your your sort of fake it till you make it entry into fashion. Mm-hmm. I kind of like too. It's like there's similarities, right? Like there's such a grind in the food and beverage world, and there's a grind in fashion. So I think that is really amazing training ground. Also, I have a real life rule that I think you should have to work in retail. I think people should work in in the service industry. You have a greater understanding of humanity and treatment of others like there I'll always hire someone who's had food and beverage experience in my line of work now because I know that they have if they thrived in it I know that they have everything it takes to be just a great employee and a great worker I'm just thinking about your husband being a photographer and that was your entry into styling are you thinking about I mean obviously you're thinking about the storytelling and the images that are being created but how much are you thinking about what's happening in the world of fashion at the time versus just creating this timeless image? I think it's like 50-50. I always, when we're doing like, for example, just like a celebrity run, an awards run or a promotion of a project, I always want to think about the moment and what feels right but also like, can they look back and at this and not cringe, you know, 20 years from now? I think that's a, yeah. that's, a good, that's a good barometer. Yeah, it's funny because I think now there's such a fearlessness in celebrity dressing. And I wonder what that's going to mean. I, I'm so happy about that. But I wonder what that's going to mean in 10 years when you look back. Because I, I mean, I pretty guilty of taking those risks and then being like, oh my God, what was I thinking? You know? But I think that's kind of like the beauty of it because sometimes I would like to think my style is sort of like, I, I look more towards style icons like Jackie O for inspiration. And so I like to think like, oh, you know, I would love my personal style to be timeless. But I also think like there, sometimes you then just go into like being safe, you know? And I think there is some, there's a little bit of beauty, like being able to look back and be like, you know what, maybe that wasn't the best look for me, but I took a risk with it. And I think that's like, there's something beautiful about that. But I want to know also, like when you first got into celebrity styling, who was your first client and what did it feel like in that moment? Ooh, 
my first client who's still my client, you know, 16 years later was Olivia Wilde. And oh, yeah. it felt like really exciting. Like I just, cause I started more in music. I started in music and advertising. And then, you know, we saw the cultural shift of celebrities and st- celebrity stylists. So Olivia was my very first client and we did a shoot together. And you know, I was always nervous. I'm still kind of nervous when I go on a job with someone new because, well, even I'm nervous on actually every job and not nervous in a way of like not feeling prepared, but just always, always just wanting to make every job really, really, really great. And so nervous isn't really the right word, but it kind of is. And it was like this really, really fun shoot. And she was like, will you be my stylist? And I was like, yes. So it felt like, you know, the beginning of like dating someone and falling in love in a way. <laughs> and I love that, you know, I just did a fitting with her the other day. I just love that you can have people you can grow with. But I want to go back to what you're saying about like Kit, about what you were saying about like fearlessness, because mm-hmm. you have to also realize like really reflection on your own style is really just reflection for you. No one else is really looking. I mean, I guess if you're a celebrity, you could pull out looks from the last decade or that. But I love I'm such a forward thinker. I don't really even think about a look I did yesterday. I mean, I do now social media that you have to post it and and that. But it's always that continual looking forward and just having like, how do you feel in that moment? And I felt great. And I, I tie it to that time in someone's life. So I think there's something just beautiful about just being like, fuck it, let's have fun and wear what you want. And you know, Mm -hmm. it's the advent of us realizing too, and thank God, like, all those worst dress lists are like a thing of the past, which that was like weird pressure as a stylist, because you never wanted to want a worse dress, your client to be on a worse dress list, like there could be nothing more painful and gut-wrenching but then I got to a point in my career where I was like I hope I'm on the worst dressed I hope I'm on the best and the worst because then you know you've nailed it totally it's kind of funny because like if you look back at those worst dress lists I mean obviously there's some things on there that that are like the piece doesn't fit or or whatever it is but like, I'm sure if you looked back at some of those, they would be like amazing looks. Now. Yeah, they always are. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, that Bob Mackie is an amazing look. Like some people just have taste in their mouth. And those are generally the people who are running those lists. Totally. Yeah. No, I have friends, celebrity friends that would always end up on the worst dress, <laughs> not dressed by me, but like dressed. They would just had their own fearless style. And they would be so excited when they would end up on the worst dress list. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> kind of it's kind of a compliment because it's just like my this look like I am who I am. Uh, yeah, and it also like no press is bad press. Sure, sure. Yeah. Exactly. If they know your name, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I want to jump in and ask you if you have any super stressful. Or funny styling stories that happened recently? Recently? Oh, yeah. Not, or not recently. I think not recently. Better job. Well, yeah. Listen, I pride myself. I have always have had an, I've been super fortunate in 20 years, always having an amazing team. And we really pride ourselves in like the work is done when you get to the moment. The work is done. You have your plan if anything goes wrong. But, and I will give you a recent story because it's shockingly, it's, it's insane. We had just 
run through the prep of the Bond tour. So I was styling Lashana Lynch, who's the first like female 007. She's a black woman. She's amazing. She's like a very cool girl. And, you know, pre-COVID, we had fit 30 looks for the tour and then the whole tour got canceled. And then we had to redo it again. So it was like, okay, finally, we've come to the moment. We did a big fitting in LA. We have everything tailored and ready to go. The studio says, oh, we want you to ship the trunk to London of all the clothes. And I, I use, I've used FedEx oh, for 20 no, years, no, you know, no. every once in a while, you can know, you know where I'm going with this. Well, I was like, God, I would really like somebody to hand carry the trunk. No, 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 it'll be fine. FedEx it. And we had lots of time to FedEx it. So we did, you know, we, it was a week in advance. Well, the fucking trunk got lost to the point where I was like, what is that? And it was, and it was in, it was absolutely, you know, you're keeping London hours. So you're up at two in the morning, trying to figure out where this trunk is. FedEx could not, for the love of anything, tell us where the trunk is. Oh, it's in Memphis. No, it's in London. No, it's in customs. So my poor team round the clock, we were like, it's going to show up. And she hand carried a couple looks because we're like, listen, just in case, take these two looks. But it came to the, you know, I was like, okay, we have to reprep this entire tour. And we have to do it remotely. And we basically have to do it just with British design, like anybody who has a place has um, a headquarters in London. And we dove in so hard. The Vivian Westwood team made me a custom dress in three days yes. for her. Like, oh my it was, it was so beautiful. And then the thing is nobody, we had a brief moment of panic and then like the blood in our veins turned to ice and we just went in and we also relied on, relationships and everybody came through to the point where I was like these half the people didn't lend dresses previously like and they were everybody was helping us and so there was a really nice lesson in there of like you know what if you're kind to people and you're professional to everyone you can call in favors when you need them because literally everybody came through for me and then we ended up having actually like the clothes were like a million times better it was a really great awesome tour Sometimes don't you think that spontaneity just changes your perspective on things? Sometimes I just think those kind of like the universe is sending you new inspiration or something or a new way to to think about things. I mean, I feel like I have it all the time, like every show or every, you know. I'm sure you have it with every show for sure. Oh, yeah, it's crazy, like couriers flying from different oh, countries man. to bring this stuff. but. In a way, it's like, I would say it's like fateful editing sometimes where you're just like, okay, well, and solving problems like that, I think is also part of the inspiration and fun of being in fashion. You want everything to be like, like you want that of the moment experience. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's part of it. Is there anything that's ever like, oh, we've got all the time in the world for this? Like, no. do you ever have that? No. <laughs> yeah. No. Because even like, if you do, you're in a system, right? Like, I can't ask for something, you know, six months in advance. I mean, I can, but like, someone might change their mind. So you're, we're always in a little state of being prepared, but then always like, hmm, okay, something might change. Yeah. And you're dealing with, I think, an emotional mm-hmm. proposition that, it's just how you're feeling at that moment. Your client is feeling at that moment or you're feeling at that moment versus what you were feeling a month ago or three months ago. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I 
it's part of the industry. Yeah, it has to be like current. We were actually talking about that last night and like the ecosystem of designers, stylists, clients, and then audience of all of that and how it it is such like a circular system. The fashion food chain. The fashion food chain, totally yeah. a circular system. Like, you know, a designer will put something out, create something, a stylist will curate it, a celebrity or whatever sort of client will wear that piece and then the audience will consume it. And then it kind of just... And then designers are inspired by that again. So it's like, it really is like the never ending cycle in a way, because I think what you do, what you create is actually what I think the world looks to Mm -hmm. for fashion inspiration. So then you know, and that becomes cyclical then I think, Mm -hmm. or evolutionary. Totally. Sometimes I laugh. I was saying to my team yesterday, I was like, it's not like, you know, we do get a lot of credit and and I'm not saying we should, we shouldn't like, there's a real dance, like you're saying to our work. And, but for me, you know, designers are the rock stars. Like I, the greatest honor of my life is getting to put someone's creation on a client or in a, in a picture, like, that's the dream for me. So I was laughing with my assistants. They're like, I was like, oh my God, I'll, we're picking a dress that's already made. Like there's a lot of praise that gets thrown our way and don't get me wrong, you love it. But at the same time, you know, it's it's something that exists unless you're custom and you're really, really working on it. So it's not rocket science. And I would say back at you because my greatest feeling is is when a stylist or a celebrity or both come and say, can you make this? You know, this is what we're thinking. Can you execute it? You know, and I've had some crazy Katy Perry's cupcake dress and like some crazy stuff that that's where I'm like, wow, this is, this is like the pinnacle for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's all, it's all just like a total collaboration and, it's, you know, I feel like very privileged to do my job. It's couldn't be more exciting. You know, I came from a town of 19,000 people. Like this is, it's a dream life. Uh, my town is population 9,000. So <laughs> we're, right. we're, we're, we're like, in here. So the other day we were talking about Billie Eilish and how just crazy the shift has been recently from like what her style has been known as just like oversized and like a lot of logo prints and stuff like that. And now it's more, I mean, she still does that, but it has become a little bit more form fitting, more feminine, more like, I don't know, muted shades and stuff like that. I'm wondering as a stylist, how you decide if and when a client needs to have sort of like a huge shift in Mm -hmm. what they have been known to wear. I think that's such a great question and insight. And I think Billie Eilish is so incredible. And what I love about her is she's so in command of herself. Can you imagine having that much command of yourself? Like you wouldn't have seen it with a musician 20 years ago with a pop star. Like, you know, you see it, of course, with a lot of musicians who operate in a different space outside of like pop, but the pop machine for her to be like, 
I'm directing my own videos. I direct what this photo shoot to have that much power and command. And I empower their own self and image is so incredible. And I love the direction she's gone. And also, you know, she's a young woman, like that's a more than allowed. And it's allowed for an older woman too, but like, you know, you can find your space and your style and your iterations as much as you want, especially as a musician, I think. Um, But you know what, for us, like, let's talk about Olivia too. When we, you know, Olivia, we've gone from like, you know, sexy ingenue to a hot mom to becoming an award-winning director. And when Olivia and I love a ball gown, and when we were doing all the book smart press, it was like, okay, brief conversation. This is, you know, I'm a director. And so we dressed for a director, but also a director who's this gorgeous woman with two beautiful children and very happy and a real mature confidence. And so we dressed for it. So, you know, it was like a micro shift, but I was like, oh, you know, gone are the days of the ball gown because that's not who you are anymore. So it's fun. I mean, it's really based in, I think, a lot of times in projects and and just like even a shift in in age, I guess. Yeah. That's where, well, that's where we think about making those shifts. And, you know, a lot of times then musicians are a little bit different. I always say this, like a musician is the entity, right? It's their creativity with actors. They're a reflection of the project they're doing. They're a conduit and they make it their, their, it's their project, but you're a conduit for like the script and the story. So there's a little bit of a shift. So with musicians, you can really jump around, which I love. But so it's really project based for me and and where you are you are in your life and where you are like growing as a human being to make that shift in your clothing. I think it's so interesting too that and such a testament to the power of clothes that you can change everyone's perception of who you are by just changing your look but you, you know doing it in a cohesive and whether it's subtle or or more extreme it's like you really can change people's perception of who you are yeah for sure a hundred percent I'm interested and I know I feel like this is kind of a cliche question but I'm interested where you look to gain inspiration for looks because I think like for a lot of everyday consumers of fashion, we're looking to you and mm-hmm. we're looking to, you know, red carpets or even also, I think just like Instagram and stuff like that. But I'm wondering, like, are you looking at archives? Are you looking at magazine? I don't know. I mean, I really miss magazines. I know they're still out there, but I haven't picked one up. I, I don't yeah. really look at them anymore, which seems like a crime. But also it's like, I don't even feel like I have time, which is also a crime. Um, what do I do? I really am a pretty conjurer of my own muse. You know, I don't really look at too much. I like to really just think of the person and kind of come up with an aesthetic that really fits them and then go out for it. But of course, we also like the last time I did, last Lord tour, we prepped it exclusively like with independent designers, almost exclusively because we did have some Celine in there, Phoebe Celine. 
on Instagram, like finding young designers, like Instagram for me, maybe even five years ago was where I did a lot of market work. So I'm, I'm constantly looking, but I'm less like externally influenced. Cause I think if you're too external and you're looking just like literally at street style, it's all, it could, it can get a little homogenized, but I, I, I like looking at everything. I look at like an 80 year old in Trader Joe's and get something from it. You know, I, I, I'm pretty open. You know, I'm a big, we love cinema in our house. We love going to shows, you know, finally get to go to shows again. And I just think something happens, but I don't really see a look and think, oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I think once it's done, why redo it? Or why interpret it? You know, look forward and, and don't look back. And also it's an evolution. Everything should be an evolution of something anyway. And, and shouldn't just be you know, recreation of a history, you know, some kind of era. I don't know. I never liked the retro thing so much, but elements. Don't you just feel though, Cynthia, like sometimes you put something on and you're like, yeah, that just feels right. And of the moment, like for me, I can often buy something and then save it for four years before I even wear it. Yeah. You know, I, I pulled out like I had this vintage pair of, I mean, I probably bought these Levi's and they were vintage when I bought them 20 years ago. And they're like, I don't know if they were the five, three sevens or which ones they are, but they're like a kind of weird boot. And I remember when I put them on 20 years ago, I was like, okay, these are cool. Hmm. And then I recently pulled them out maybe last year. And I was like, no, these are perfect. And I put them with like an acne tracker boot. And I was like, yes, this feels like you know, and to some people, they hadn't seen it before. So I, I just, I think when you're tapped into your own style, you can, you, you know, when it's right. And I often say to people who are trying to develop that kind of intuition, it's like, if you're putting on a jeans and you're asking someone, oh, are these okay still? Then they're not, you know, yeah. you know, if they're okay, you don't, you shouldn't have to ask someone if they're okay still. <laughs> That's funny. Well, one of my favorite things to say is that I can't wear vintage because it looks like I just haven't cleaned out my closet. But, <laughs> you know, but I do like to mix. You know, I think it's fun to be like spring 2004, fall 2010. You know, like I mix them all together and you just see what comes yeah. up. And yeah. it's wait, it's, can we speaking of Levi's, can we talk about some of your collabs? Because sure. we're like major fans yeah I want to know like what do you think I mean we've we've had extensive conversations about how like the fashion industry has become so much more collaborative in recent years than it was I think like growing up in it when I was growing up it was like so just like if somebody if it looked like a copy of something it was like a whole it, it was just not as collaborative as it is now. And I think now people are like, let's work together to not only make the fashion industry more like sustainable, equitable, whatever, but I also think just like work together to create something new that might shock people. And you've seen so many crazy collabs in recent years that like just wouldn't have happened in years past. So I'm wondering what you think makes a strong collaboration and what you think makes others flop. 
Well, you know, I'm kind of proud that I'm one of like the very first stylists to ever really have collabs. You know, mine started quite a few years ago. Was it Haynes? Was that the first one? We did with Haynes. And then I, you know, segued off of Haynes and now just make my own tees. And then right after that came Levi's, which was, you know, for me, it was really interesting. It was just like, I was like, you know, as a stylist, I do, I would never call myself a designer, even though I do love that process, but I'm not trained in any, in any regard. But I realized like, I know what's in the stores and I know what people actually want to buy. So there is, you know, obviously the business element to stuff like, okay, we can actually do very well here, but you could see the gaps, like, you know, you're out prepping and, you know, those were back in the glorious days of Barney's New York when it still was here. Rest in peace. We were just in there. It's a Halloween store now. It's so, it's 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 really, it's all, it all really turned then, right? David (laughs) Bowie and Barney. Everything's went astray. You know, what makes a good partner is you really want to be aligned in terms of values and you want to be aligned in terms of your goals for success. And you can see that when, like, you got to be a good partner. I never want to be a partner who is begrudgingly posting or just like, and you see it a lot of times with some celebrities. I'm not going to name names, but you can see it where you're like, oh yeah, they just got paid to do that post. There's no value in that, you know? And I know it from my own companies. If you get a great post that's come where someone believes in the product, that's what moves the needle and the sincerity. So I would never do a collaboration that didn't feel sincere or exciting or that I was really willing to go above and beyond for. Like even when I do my collabs, like we have a pretty kind of a bit of a rule that I am the creative 100% behind it. And you work with the team, but that, you know, I want to see the vision from like top to tail, from the images, how it gets presented in the world. And it's a full package. Otherwise, I think you get too diluted. So you have to have a company that, is willing to be as fearless as you and and work together to get there. But I'm also a really good partner because I will go above and beyond in the promotion and getting it out there in the world. I think that's what success. I think if it's just somebody slapping something on or just signing up, you're really not going to make a mark. You can tell. You can, you I can mean, tell. People know immediately. People know if you're just like, oh, I love this product. And they just put a, uh, you know, a handle on their Instagram. It's like, and it's also like who brands partner with, right? You have to, at every level you, and it's interesting because, you know, I have that, the styling app wishy and you're like, you see what stylists people are obsessed with because they think they know them a little bit, you know, for better or worse. I, I, I personally love Instagram because I'm an adult so I can handle it as opposed to being a teenager and being on it, I think I would, it would be pretty, you know, rough, but you can see like the obsession people have and want to know somebody. And that makes them a better partner than someone who just pops on once in a while to show a brand endorsement. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like more top line people, but you know, you have to be a good partner. That's part of the deal. If someone wants to hire me, I'm going to be a good partner to them. That's my end of the, the deal. And I mean, even if you design the most amazing product and then let them put it out or let someone else put it out into the world, like it could lose all of the story behind, it, you mm-hmm. know? So I do think I 
I agree with you. Wait, so do you have a dream collab that you could talk about or not that you're do you know, doing letting the cat out of the bag, but just like if I oh. could if I could do anything, God, I would want to do a real like full collection with someone. You know, I would love to do like a red carpet collection. You know, I love, I love, I always, I was like, oh my God, I'd love to do a prom collection. I think so much of what I do and want to do is based in a little bit of democracy. So like someone could afford something, you know, like a great dress for prom or a great wedding collab. Oh, I love, I, love, I mean, I'm a sucker for pretty, you know, I'm a sucker for a great dress. I just love it. I love, love, love it. Let's do we'll it. See, you know, yeah. I'm, well, let's do it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> the prom collection that is so genius so genius wouldn't that be yeah. fun because it's such a time I mean I, I have a 16 year old too and also I think it's something that that is their red carpet moment totally you know it really and for is so many girls and you know so many people have just like not tons of great choices and I don't know. I think it'd be so fun to do something like that. Like I miss the days of like, remember when H&M did like pretty amazing collaborations? Like that was always, that was always fun. Something accessible. I love that idea. Yeah. Okay. You just totally like the top of my head exploded off right now. You know, it'd be amazing. It's like, how could you tie in vintage to that too and be like sustainable or or something? And I think back to our, back to our, conversation from earlier I think like you look back a lot of times and say "Ooh, maybe I should not have worn that to prom I think a lot of my friends think that sure so it's a great it's a great place to intervene and have some (laughs) influence in that sphere here's a funny tiny funny little story is that my design director who I've worked with the two of us have been like two halves of one brain for 20 years she wore a CR dress to her prom and she's still, it's actually here at work, but it was a dress that Julia Roberts wore to pr- the premiere of, was it Pretty Woman? Was it that long ago? Wow. Anyway, she wore that dress. So it's like, I'm just thinking right now, it's the full thing. Like you probably styled Julia Roberts for that. <laughs> yeah. That no, I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. And then she wore it to her prom and now she and I, you know, work hand in hand. So it's kind of funny. Well, there's a reissue for you. I'd actually wear my prom dress. It was so chic. I loved it. It was like one shouldered black, little like poly stretch, but column. Very, very chic. I wore it with black gloves. It would hold up. Ah, I love it. I love that. I think I, mine would hold up too because mine is <laughs> custom made. Oh, <laughs> nice. I wore it to, designed it to together mine. actually, which was really cute. I wore it to, to, to my prom. How crazy is that? That was early on in the girls wearing tuxedo days. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love <laughs> my that. Um, my favorite. Should we talk about the period company? Let's I talk. would love for you to just introduce our listeners to the period company and your work in menstrual equity? Well, I would be thrilled to. So we just celebrated, the period company just celebrated our first anniversary. Yay. And thank you. You know, here's to a hundred more years. It came out of necessity as most things that I've ever kind of input it and done in my life do. 
And then it's turned into something much kind of bigger. You know, my own kid got their period early and it was kind of a disaster. And I was so embarrassed that it was such a disaster because I was like, I'm like a feminist super mom. What's going on? And then I'm like, oh, I'm not super at all. (laughs) This is terrible. And there was period underwear on the market, but it was so expensive and it wasn't absorbent enough. And I was like, this is such a great way to have a period. And it's a great way for kids to not have to deal with pads or tampons. And I thought I'm going to make period underwear and I'm actually going to make it to be so affordable that anybody can use it as an option. And concurrently, I was also looking at my own period and I was so shocked at the amount of waste I was creating every single day, you know, wrappers, stickers, pads, toilet paper. And, you know, that's never going anywhere. Someone can tell you their pads decompose. Well, okay, only if you take them to a specific recycler and you don't wrap it up in anything, you don't put it in your own garbage. So there's a lot of greenwashing happening there where that is just not the truth. You know, sure, it'll it's still going into a landfill unless you're really going to a period recycling plant. So I was like, God, let's look into this a little bit. And, you know, there's, I think it's 4 billion tons a year of garbage in the United States alone. So there's kind of two ideas happening here. A, making, changing the way we period. And then the bigger thing is changing the way we think about periods because there's 800 million people having their period right now, but more than half of them don't even have access to product and more than half of them are, it's being held against them. And it's just like, come on, that's absolutely ludicrous that that's where we find ourselves. So we feel like this is an option, a sustainable way to make sure everybody's periods are taken care of because five pairs of our underwear actually takes care of your period for five years of your life. It's reusable, it's zero toxins, and it's really affordable. So, you know, for me, it's a no-brainer, and it's really exciting, and we're seeing kind of amazing change already. We have a community vertical, and we're in Ghana, we're in Sudan, we're in Haiti, we're in Afghanistan, and then we're all over the United States, and there's no endless asks. There's you know, we get asked every day. So we're trying to figure out how to really scale that. And we get donations from people and people buy our community is so incredible. We have the community bundle where you can donate like for $20, we'll send four pairs of underwear to a person, an organization that will then give a bundle to someone because, and you know, there's so many amazing people in the period space. Don't get me wrong that do period drives and they get pads and tampons. But if you just give someone a box of pads, they're going to have to come back again where we mm-hmm. were saying, give them a couple pairs of underwear. And then that is taken care of. And then if you think about developing nations, a lot of people don't even have access to underwear. So now you have a daily pair of underwear that also takes care of your period, which opens up your life to not ever having to think of that. Like this, we all know the statistics, girls don't stay in schools, communities fail, you know, there's nothing but benefits to taking care of a person who periods period. And that's, that's what we're going to do. I can't believe how amazing that is. I really can't believe I read about it when you first launched and I was like, this is brilliant. I'm sure you already, I'm sure you thought of this, but have you thought about doing it with diapers? Cause to me, that's like, yes, same thing, even maybe more. I don't know 
the exact, you know, data on it, but. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's the the numbers are huge. So we are going to work into diapers and we're also working into adult diapers because, you know, we have so many people who have had their periods who then stop having their periods and have like stress incontinence or a little bit of, you know, pee happens just like periods happen, just like shit happens. You know, our goal is to kind of give a sustainable, affordable option because, you know, you're a, a retiree or you have your Medicare, but a thing, if you're wearing like a disposable every day, that's like $50 out of your income every month, which is really substantial for a ton of people. And it's the same thing. Get a pair of underwear from us. Also, I think it's self-esteem, you know, 100%. For, I think it's embarrassing for seniors to be, or older people to be putting it into the garbage, even, you know, you don't know where you're going to have to use it. And then, you know, someone might see it or I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's on so many levels. This is, it's life Nobel peace. Prize. Yeah. It's is really... that the right one? Is it the Nobel <laughs> prize? Yeah. It's such a noble thing that you're doing. Not only inventive and inspiring, but noble. Truly. I feel like my whole life has led me to be able to do this moment, you know, because we have the platform and Mm. just the experience to really dive in and the connections to really try and make real change. So it's very exciting. So I guess just to wrap it up, one question we ask all of our guests on Ageless is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we would love to hear your thoughts on that. I want to be someone who helped change the way the world periods. And I want to be someone who is happy and has time to enjoy life. Love it. Hope you guys love this episode. And thanks so much to Ginny Media for our audio production. All right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 